Well, good afternoon. It is Friday the 14th of November 2014 and yes, this is a Spikes podcast. Now, I'm sorry I've been so quiet for so long, all sorts of reasons, but um, really no excuses. Um, and really, I have to start with an apology to my friend James, Honest Jim, because he sent me a report from the York Marathon. Um, which has been sat on my desktop on my computer now for too long and Jim I'm sorry you have kind enough to send it in to me I should have put it up straight away anyway never too late so here it is I'm gonna let it play in a moment or two um, just before we do that one more thing I'd like to say before um, I go over to James's report and that is just simply to send best wishes to um, to a listener over in Australia, um, I think she'll know who she is. Um, been through a bit of a life change just over the last few weeks, and um, I hope things are really settling down well for her now, for her and the ones she loves in her life. Um, she'll know who she is, so best wishes to you. Okay, let's, um, let's hear what James made of the York Marathon then. Hi, Peter, and all you uh, Spikes listeners. Uh, it's uh, James uh, Harris calling, uh, aka Honest Jim uh, from Daily Mile. I've uh, in, rang in a couple of times. Um, last time, really sorry, Peter. I know um, it, it cut off um, just as I was sort of coming into my home straight of my uh, ultra. So apologies um, for that. I'm not sure sure why the recording sort of cut off, but obviously I survived to run again. Um, uh, <laughs> I. Um, Ran that ultra, uh, what was that, back in the summer, back in, I think, June. Um, and the next race I've, I've just done. Um, it was um, a big build-up for the Yorkshire Marathon. Um, I had my my goal uh, that's sort of been my, my four-year plan um, to um, get a good-for-age entry time into London. Uh, for my age, I'm 42, uh, that's a sub 3 hour 15 marathon. Um, yeah, I started, started sort of gunning for this four years ago, hoping to get it in the spring in Brighton Marathon, which I didn't get, uh, failed, um, got a 3.23 there. Um, uh, the mistakes I made in that one, I went off too fast and done the sort of death march shuffle um, the last sort of six six miles. Um, so this year for York, the plan was again plan A sub 315, uh, plan B to beat my current uh, PB or PR as you Americans like to say uh, of 323. Uh, I suppose plan C, if it all was going to hell, uh, would be to get a sub 330. Uh, which which I thought is still respectable for myself. Um, so York Marathon um, just gone. Uh, what's that second second week in um, uh, October? 
I do find I sort of run to a 16 week plan and I do find training for autumn marathons slightly harder than spring marathons uh, mainly because you've got a big wedge of of your training plan which just happens to be the school children's holidays um, and I find it a lot harder to um, uh, uh, indulge my running when uh, the children are off and my, my wife sort of tends to work uh, varied patterns because she, she's actually a swim teacher so she she works at about four different pools um, so her holidays are also when the school holidays are, are as well so she happens to be off which you think ah, that's perfect but it I find it really hard to sort of around my shift pattern on my day off to say oh right I'm just off for a run now they say oh great how long are you going out for he said yeah three hours um, <laughs> so I do find it a lot harder sort of fitting in my longer runs um, during the summer holidays um, tend to have to really go really early just not to annoy everybody um, so yeah I'm, I'm sure everyone we're busy everyone of us has busy lives and and it is difficult sometimes to fit these these um training programs in but you know if you want to do something you you you'll find a way um but um one of the main reasons I actually done uh chose york uh was the fact I actually heard it on uh, another podcast uh marathon talk podcast um last year was um the yorkshire the plus net yorkshire marathon's first run um the race uh, director uh, was the late uh, Jane um, um, Tomlinson's husband. Uh, his name now is completely, I think it's Mike, Mike Tomlinson. Um, Jane was uh, unfortunately passed, passed away a few years back to cancer. Um, but in the years when she'd been diagnosed with cancer, she was very well known for raising huge amounts of money, um, doing crazy uh, runs and crazy bike rides um, across all, all different parts of the world. And uh, husband Mike and daughter have both been uh, interviewed on uh, Marathon Talk, um, and they they continue sort of raising money in her name. Um, so Marathon Talk pushed the Yorkshire Marathon quite a lot, and uh, I thought, well, that that sounds great. Last year was its first year, so I thought, right, I'll have that have, have that as my autumn marathon for this year. Um, it's meant to be. They call it Yorkshire Flat. Um, now I stupidly thought that would mean it it was flat. Um, it, I wouldn't call it hilly, but someone told me on paper it's flatter than London Marathon. But having just run it, I find that pretty difficult to believe um there wasn't there's only a couple of steeper hills um but there's some slow inclines that when you're trying to run at a decent pace they just wear it out of your legs over over a long period and you sort of think oh i'm working harder than i should be here and uh, it sort of drags it out of you a bit anyway but anyway back 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 to back to my race um the, I stayed in Leeds, uh, which is uh, about 45 minutes southwest of York, uh, mainly because of cost. I mean, if you've, if you've ever stayed in York, it's, it's a really lovely city, but it is pricey. Um, and Leeds, uh, like I say, only a stone's uh, throw away. Um, but hardly cost a thing, really, to stay there. Um, I went up on my own this time. Uh, family couldn't come. Um, kids are now getting to the ages where they've always got 
something on. Um, so yeah, it was it was uh, thought that it'd best if I go up on my own, so I could totally focus on just myself. Um, uh, so I, I got up to Leeds, had a, a family room because I'd actually booked um, for the more you know when I booked, I actually had in mind that they'd all come. Um, so I had a large family room. So actually on one of the single beds, I laid out all my kit. Um, so my preparation on that part of it was absolutely perfect. I had the usual sleep I have before a marathon, which is absolutely awful. Um, I've done, that's my 12th marathon now. And I don't think I've ever slept well before a marathon. I know we, none of us do, but I think if I got an hour and a half sleep, I actually done quite well. Um, so annoying because you sort of think, God, one day I'm going to go into a marathon fully rested, uh, you know, and it, and it might make a big difference to my performance. Um, but anyway, got uh, got up on uh, the out of bed the morning, you know, had um, had a cup of tea, um, was going to have my breakfast actually when I arrived at the park and ride uh, in York. Um, the forecast had been right when I went outside. It was absolutely thick fog, um, no wind, and um, heavy fog, and that was that was due to stay for most of the morning, uh, which it did. Uh, amazingly, I found the uh, park and ride. Um, one thing you, you do realise, uh, well, realise one thing you do notice in York is everyone's so friendly. I think I think the further north you go in England, the friendlier people get. Um, sorry to all you Southerners out there, but uh, it seems to be true. Everyone sort of speaks to you, um, says hello, and you chat to them as if, they, if, it's, if they're friends. I mean, I had people chatting to me in the uh, in the park and ride, on the bus, on the way, you know, on the walk to drop your bags off. You know, it's, it's amazing, you know. Um, a very well-organised marathon. Um, after I dropped my um, bags and, and, and spoke to about the 10th person on my, on my way round, you know, as if they're all friends, um, headed up to the uh, start area um, where, I don't know if, if any, any of you heard um, of Tony Aldenshaw. Uh, he actually does quite, um, he does a spot on Marathon Talk. Um, he has done for the last sort of four years. Um, really, it's it's... Part comedy sketch, um, part sort of catching up with his races and training. Um, he's a lovely chap. Uh, he's also on a, a, a soap over here, Emmerdale, which I've never seen myself. I'm, I, I, I hate soaps. Um, but I think he's, he's well known, obviously, for that, that character he plays in that as well. But he was running the Yorkshire Marathon. And he actually done a song at the start of it, just before the start, uh, where he went over on the mo- microphone and he actually sang his song, The Things You Hear the Day Before a Marathon. Now, I know if you YouTube that, um, that's the title. If you YouTube that, it will actually uh, come up because he did he did do it before London. And um, I think he put together a bit of a video for it. And uh, he sang that out, and, and it was really, really funny sort of listening to that, uh, sort of part comedy. Only marathon runners really sort of get the whole gist of the of the comedy in it. Um, but uh, anyway, he, he, he sang that out, and then it was about five minutes to go, so I went to my pen, which was pen one. Um, never liked being in pen one. I, I prefer to be in pen two. Trouble is with pen one... Um, you said what time you intend to run the marathon at, so yeah, you, okay, and you get stuck in that pen one, but you know there's there's no one slower than you, <laughs> sort of 
around you or ahead of you. Um, you know, so you've got to all you're in amongst all the faster runners. So the chance of passing many people are always pretty slim. Um, but you also don't, you certainly don't get slowed up, but you're on it and yeah, you, you've got to sort of commit straight away, you know, to, to run, run well. Um, but, um, Matt Dawson, the uh, ex-Northampton rugby player, uh, done the start. Uh, I know him for his rugby days. Uh, he's done a lot of um, TV things since. I think one of them is Question of Sport. Uh, and I think he's been on various things, but I don't know. I don't know what. Um, but yeah, he done the start. And um, it was ticking along nicely. So the plan was 3.15 meant I had to run average of 7.23s. Um... I actually was running around, uh, well, the first few miles were just over sevens. Uh, I wanted to build up a tiny buffer, and then I sort of settled into the seven uh, and, the, and the teens. So s- from from seven ten to seven sort of twenty speed, um, they were ticking by okay. Um, at that speed, I f- I feel like I am. Running hard, not hard, but I am running. I do feel like I'm running, so it's never that easy. You never get that real easy feeling that you'd like to have in in most of a marathon. Um, so you 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 know, I, I feel like I'm pushing myself. Um, there was the thick fog sort of continued, um, so really couldn't see much at all. <laughs> to be honest, on the route, um, you go through the city right at the start, which is lovely. Uh, lots of crowds there, even though the weather was awful. Um, all the bells of uh, York, uh, Westminster, uh, no, Yorkminster, sorry, um, the, um, the um, cathedral were, were, were going like, like hammer and tongs, so it's lovely running past that and the, and the noise with the bells going. That was really nice. Um, some very, very pretty parts of York you run through, and then you head out to uh, the countryside. Um, again, very, very great support along the way from people in villages and towns and everything. Um, I'd say I was on track on the first 10k. They had 10. They had 10k uh, splits where you sort of, you know, uh, you ran over a mat and. Friends and family tracking you could sort of uh, check it out. I found out later on that it was a bit slow, so it's a bit bit not not as good as it could have been. Um, but I was on track on 10k, which I think it should have been uh, a few minutes ahead. Uh, 20k, I was still on track. 30k, the buffer had slipped. Um, there's a horrible. Well, I I hated it anyway. There was a horrible switchback from mile 16 where you ran down a sort of gradient which didn't feel that steep and then you come back up for 18 uh yeah 18 and 19 so you you sort of run down this little bit and then back on yourself so 16 you run down and then you back up to 20 so two miles slightly downhill didn't seem steep two miles uphill all of a sudden the hill felt steeper um and that's where i knew my 315 attempt had gone um so then I thought, right, okay, you know, go for plan B. Um, and it was a case of just trying to trying to sort of settle a bit, a little bit slower and not sort of panic running because uh, you, you lose too much energy, sort of, you know, keep looking at your watch. and. Uh, but I think, I think, to be honest, the damage had sort of been done um, because I'd sort of gone for that faster time. The second time then, plan B... 
felt a lot harder than it would have been if I'd have just always gone out with the intention of getting that from the start. So unfortunately, the time slowly slipped and my averages per mile uh, just just sort of slipped away, slipped away, slipped away. Um, York Marathon uh, does have a sting in its tail with about a mile to go. The la- uh, there's half a mile uphill and then half a mile downhill. Um, now, the uphill bit, oh my goodness. Um, twice on the on the uphill bit, my legs actually just stopped. Um, I didn't even have a thought that I was going to stop running. My legs stopped before I realised I'd stopped. I think much to the amusement of um, lots of passers-by, I shouted at my legs as if they're someone else's um, because I was surprised I'd stopped. I said, don't stop like that and uh, then started running again. Um, and then about, I don't know, about uh, another 200 yards on, they did it again. I said, don't you stop like this. And I started running again and got to the top of this um, mile, mile at the end. Um, and it's quite a steep bit down where I really, well, I thought I was sprinting. I wasn't really sprinting at all, but I was doing about eight, eight minute mile, but I felt like I was sprinting in this last sort of bit just to run in for home. Um, I knew my plan B had gone. Uh, it was close-ish, but I came in with a three hour, 25 and a, and a few seconds. So, you know, I didn't get plan A, didn't get plan B. It is my fast, second fastest marathon to date, so I shouldn't beat myself too much on it, about it. Um, next one is Paris, uh, next April, Paris 2015. What do I need to do different? Now, I think lots more endurance work, perhaps at marathon pace, my knee held out for this, just about, had a few knee issues, but not, nothing, I can't use that as an excuse. My quads were shredded. Now, I need to do some more work, uh, endurance strength work on my quads. Um, they were awful. I mean, the pain really was awful for my quads. I do a lot of core work, so that was okay. Um, need to do a bit more uh, work, loosening up my legs a bit, so a few more, I don't know, um, almost yoga I say yoga but I know I won't do it but I, I need to do so I need to lose about half a stone um, not really overweight at all but to run that little bit quicker I think it would help um, so anyway onwards and upwards um, looking towards Paris I'm going to give myself a couple of weeks off now perhaps only a couple of little runs with my boys only six um, I'm going to get on the bike in a couple of days and see if I can sort of give my legs a proper recovery because I haven't had a proper recovery all year. I've jumped, you know, from one marathon to another marathon to an ultra. And to be honest, I think I'm carrying a few niggles, which which don't help. Um, so the build-up for Paris will start, I think, 1st of December. Um, and then we'll, we'll see we'll see from there. But um, I hope you're all running with joy. Uh, I'm not even walking with much joy at the moment. So uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, I'll sign off now. Um, love the show, Peter. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, I'll be listening and I'll, I'll ring, in, ring, in, ring in again sometime. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, it's me back again. Uh, thanks, Jim, for excellent review of the York Marathon. 
you uh, make your reports. Very entertaining and good to listen to. So, um, it's, it's actually a different recording to the one you started listening to. Seems to me that this particular episode is somewhat plagued. Um, I recorded about another 20 minutes on the drive the other day and uh, when I came to edit the recording um, I discovered that my battery had uh, been too flat in the recorder and uh, it simply dwindled away to nothing so here I am Sunday morning now the 16th of November and um, running from my home in Yeovil busy busy main road so a little bit noisy sorry about that um, you may be able to detect that my breathing is a little shallow uh, I suppose that's really a lot of the reason why I've not been recording of late um, seem to have something going on that I just don't know what it is um, it was back on um, September the 3rd that I was having a run it's a four miler um, and I noted in my running diary that day that I felt a bit short of breath nothing dramatic but you know when you've been running for a while a number of years you know what feels right what feels hard what feels easy and uh, that was certainly something I was conscious of anyway I am you know just thought well be something minor so I'll go on for a couple of weeks didn't really change much still just just not able to get the breath in I was used to so back to the doctors you know after um after the health issues of earlier this year I'm not not going to hesitate to seek uh, medical advice so uh, had a chat with my doctor now here's a good thing my GP my general practitioner she's a marathon runner hey what a bonus because uh, after the first 
consultation when um, she booked me for some tests. Her party advice to me was, keep running. Yes. <laughs> How good is that to hear? So anyway, um, first bank of tests, I had uh, an ECG, full bloods, and a chest x-ray. Um, I'll be honest with you, my worry was uh, maybe a secondary cancer in my lung. Uh, I know it's, you know, a fairly extreme thought to have, but having had the cancer earlier this year, I don't think it's, um, you know, it's not abnormal for someone in my position to worry that that is going to be the case. Thank you. Okay, a little bit busy with pedestrians as well. Up the traffic. Stop my watch at the junction here and uh, want to get accurate figures. <laughs> so, um, anyway, first banker test. First good news chest x ray is clear. Uh, my ECG looks okay and my blood work is all fine so what's going on well i wondered um with my doctor yeah could this be some sort of exercise asthma um so she said uh, we'll do a quick check on that and she prescribed me a subutamol inhaler and uh, she said if it's asthma that will the inhaler will be a quick fix and you'll know pretty much straight away and um I've used Sabutamol in the past um, when I was younger from the age of about 12 I had quite severe hay fever which would be for a month or so each year quite asthmatic so I was uh, used to using Sabutamol and more importantly, I knew I would uh, feel the effects. I knew what that felt like. Um, perhaps unfortunately, I didn't get that asthmatic relief that I've been hoping for. So, back to the doctor. Okay. Uh, 
I said my ECG trace was okay. Now, I've probably mentioned on this podcast before, the trace is okay for me because I do have uh, an ECG that causes alarm to doctors because of uh, the pattern it creates um, but we've checked it out in the past and it is the result of um, uh, 40 years of running which means that my heart musculature is a little bit thickened and uh, the symptoms that the ECG appears to be showing could be dangerous in someone who is not not been running as much as I have so long way of saying my doc says let's uh, do another heart check and she referred me for an echocardiogram so that took place last week um I've had echoes done before, you know, totally non-invasive procedure, just a probe placed on your chest. Ah, uh, there's actually a technician still in training that did my scope, spent a long time over it, covered not just my heart but some of the other areas around and uh, um, she then uh, asked her supervisor to check the images and the supervisor uh, she took a couple more scope shots just to ensure that they had a full coverage But while she was there, yeah, she also going to give me um, the results as such. But she did make comments like, ah, trivial. Yeah, that's trivial. Yeah, okay. And uh, I was allowed to leave straight away, which is a good sign because... I had been warned if there was anything odd I would have to see the cardiologist in the hospital there but uh, they said no off you go so I haven't actually had a debrief on those results yet but uh, that's where we are at present so what have I done with my training Well, the way this problem manifests is that it makes 
running more of an effort. So I thought, well, I can't push hard speed work or hard hill work. So what I'll do is uh, drop back into the Maffetone um, MAF runs and uh, put my heart rate monitor on, got on the treadmill and determined that my MAF pace, which uh, is simply calculated by taking your age away from the figure 180 and that gave me a maximum heart rate limit of 120 and uh, so set up running with that as my heart rate um, yeah, got on the treadmill and found my sustained pace for around 120 beats per minute is about 10.4 kilometers per hour so uh, I have for the last little while been doing mainly math runs on the treadmill now running it 10.4 on the flat on the treadmill uh, it's an exercise for me in discipline if you want to put a positive spin on it and boredom management if you're thinking a bit more negatively so uh, I've been varying the incline very slightly varying the pace very slightly I have cut my pace well back I suspect when I get in I'm going to find this to be much nearer to nine minute miling uh, and you can still hear that my breathing is not not brilliant uh, still onwards and upwards I am continuing to run pretty much daily uh, and you know we just wait and see what the medics can determine is going on Ooh. Oh, motorcyclist there little sort of small machine but took a bit of a chance on the exit point of a junction there anyway all survived so, um, what else has been going on? Um, I am, for some reason, rather ridiculously busy at the moment. Um, you know, this is all in my, uh, my control, really, in that... I only need to take on the work that I want to take on 
However, um, you know that, or those who've listened before, know that what I do is to orate funeral ceremonies, mainly funerals, sometimes weddings, but mainly funerals, and uh, it's work that is um, very highly rewarding in terms of being alongside a family and helping them. And when I get a phone call asking for that help, you know, it's really, really hard to say no. Um, so, I'm doing a lot of funeral ceremonies. Um, yeah, sadly, one just last Friday, a lady of 45, she'd uh, she run the London Marathon, she's run the Great North Run, other events, and a uh, you know, lively person. She was at a, a concert, um, a big concert, uh, found herself feeling rather unwell, so I uh, went back to her hotel, and, uh, and her son got back to the hotel. That was his mum, in great discomfort, and she died. Um, yeah, I don't think they've been able to establish a cause of death. But it kind of reiterates my point I made earlier this year, you know, that we, we can be fit, and we can do the best we can to manage our health. But the changes and chances of life can't always be so readily managed. <clears throat> anyway, I'm through two miles now, I'm easing along, and uh, yeah, doing okay. Not really where I want to be when we're running at the moment. I'd rather be just a little bit quicker than this. But, you know, perhaps uh, as I've aged a bit, maybe this is just the next running phase that I'm into. I don't know. The main thing is, my doctor gave me the best medicine when she said, keep running. Because, you know, as long as I can, I'll get out here and feel myself doing something. Then I have a strong, positive sense of myself. And uh, I think that's, that's an important feeling for all of us. Perhaps, most importantly, for, for young people, 
yeah, I think as we grow older, we become more comfortable with who we are. It's less important that we impress others. Um, and we perhaps waste less energy in trying to be something we're not. But for young people, that sense of um, self-worth and self-regard is a very powerful part of their lives. Um, don't know really where I'm going with this, it's just a thought that struck me. Um, I suppose part of it comes from a supper time conversation yesterday with uh, Gina and uh, one of her daughters and talking about um, what we started discussing was the uh, the efforts that are being made to stop this guy Julian Blanc from uh, entering the UK and giving his talks. Um, have you seen this? Anything about this character? From what I read, he is uh, a rather. I don't know, I can't think of a very polite way of putting this, but you know, let me just tell you what I read is that he, through his media presence, uh, promotes the notion of men uh, targeting women for really sexual attack and uh, it seems to have a very warped view of humanity that this aggressive half of the species can simply use women just for their own pleasure um, I don't know it seems a terribly warped view and I think you know, you'll understand the conversation we were having was one of why women, young women, feel compelled to uh, um, really seek male attention sometimes in quite provocative ways. Oh, dear, I've got to be so careful here because. I know what I feel about this, but I can't, you know, I'm not a woman, I cannot 
pontificate about how females should behave, um, what their feelings might be. You know, there are massive motivational drives in us for reproduction. Um, but it does just seem to me that just now, at this particular time, we are um, exploiting females in a way that you know, just doesn't seem possible. Uh, not to my mind. It just seems that there is so much joy and benefit from meaningful long-lasting relationships. Uh, I don't know. I think I better move on from this topic. I feel I'm getting into a minefield that I haven't really thought through sufficiently to, to just talk about like this. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on a bit. What else is going on? Um, Gina has replaced her motorcycle. She's now riding a Yamaha Phaser 8, um, 800 cc's, and uh, well, I could talk now for the next hour about motorcycles, and if you are a motorcyclist, you would get it all, and if you're not, you would, <laughs> you'd just be scratching your head and saying, what is it with these guys? What makes this so important? I'll just say very briefly that uh, Gina has always used twin cylinder motorcycles which have certain characteristics um, in the way that they uh, deliver their power and perform and her Yamaha is the first ever inline four cylinder that she's owned and this is very different now the engine she is loving it is as smooth as silk and uh, that's generally not true of v-twins v-twins can be enormous fun really exhilarating but it can be a little bit touchy to throttle response especially with the way that the uh, fuel injection is mapped these days to minimise emissions so the inline 4 characteristically much smoother and uh, on a motorcycle generally Unless you're riding it really hard, 
you want to know that your throttle response is going to be exactly what you're demanding of it. Now, the, uh, so that's a real upside with this bike. It's a good size. Gina looks very comfortable on it. Um, it was, it's a year old, not that many miles. Um, so when we bought it, it had uh, a certain make of tyre on it, which she's never cared for greatly. And uh, she found the tyres um, very, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of here? Um, unpredictable, I think. You know, that on wet surface, she thought, oh, is this going? This is slipping. Uh, and the tyres had what we term squared off. So, uh, means when you tip it, the machine into a corner, the tyres roll over some of their circumferential shape and then they'll hit a kind of step point and drop uh, quite a significant sort of step change in their their profile and that's very disconcerting so um, new tyres were fitted this week uh, Gina a great fan of Michelin uh, Pilot 3's and uh, now they have brought out the Pilot 4 um, which has reportedly better longevity and so they're on the bike now and uh, yep, she's eager to get out and try those. The other change is that it's booked in this week to have uprated suspension. Um, we're going to put Olin suspension on it. Olin, Swedish firm, uh, pretty much out there. Um, one of the market leaders in suspension products. Um, and you're thinking, well, gosh, Jean has bought this brand, well, new to her bike, you know, a year old, 1700 miles it had done. And already she's changing the suspension. Well, here's the deal. Uh, when you've had good, motorcycle suspension it is very very hard to go back to to what I'll term as less good and the thing is with a motorcycle you want the suspension to be so responsive that your tyre both tyres are in contact with the road surface pretty much all the time but it's not so soft that it's 
just pogoing you all over the place. And uh, yeah, this is what you get when you spend money on good suspension and you struggle to achieve it with the with the lower price stuff. So yeah, that's what she's done. She's had a series of bikes all with outstanding suspension on. And now, although she likes the Yamaha as a machine right from the off, we also knew uh, we were highly likely to go this route and have new springs put on it. And she's done 3,000 miles on it now. So, uh, yeah, we know that decision has now been made for us. Okay, so I'm uh, heading alongside the airfield here in Yeovil. Um, then I went to about the last half mile for home. Uh, I hope this podcast isn't too huffing puffing. Um, I really feel annoyed that I lost that recording from Friday. Um, I also, I did another recording probably a month ago out running and uh, I got home and listened to it and thought, nah, I don't like what I was saying there. I can't remember why particularly. I just, uh, just didn't care for it. So I scrubbed that. So, this recording, if you hear it, is third time lucky. <laughs> I hope it's been worth your time in coming along for the run. Uh, I kind of feel it was worth it just for Jim's report. I really think that Jim has that 315 marathon in him. But uh, just got to get the right event where the the pace is right for the first half. And I would suggest you know, that he probably wants to go off with a 320 pace group for the first 10 miles and then um, just fractionally increase his pace at that point so if you go off just too hard just too soon then you uh you really do blow it out of the water. You never seem to be able to relax it at all. You go from uh, quick pace, quick pace, quick pace to suddenly crash under pace. And uh, very hard to strike that medium point. Whereas if you set out just within yourself then you do find 
But um, well, my experience is that you often find you've got just that little bit in reserve by the midway point that you can sustain the desired pace. And if you get to 20 miles and you're feeling really positive, it is uh, uh, quite extraordinary what you can find at that point. No doubt about that. So I've just gone through four miles. Um, I think I'm going to call this one a halt now. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry Spikes has been missing for a while. Um, I make no promises for more regular interval, uh, episodes, but I will try to get a few more up there. Sorry, so I'm going to concentrate here crossing a busy road as I then head slight downhill for the last uh, couple hundred meters. Um, uh, please do keep in touch. Spikes podcast at gmail.com. Um, and whatever's going on in your life, whether it be to do with health or happiness, I hope that for you, you still get time to run with joy.